All right. Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are continuing our discussion of comics that are at least theoretically humorous comics with a conversation about Howard the Duck number three from 1976, written by Steve Gerber, drawn by John Buscema and Steve Lee Aloha. I have a question, wait. Behold, Amir, a live caterpillar and a dead butterfly. Which of the two would you rather be? All right. Uh, oh my God. Uh, I know, I, I remember this is a quote in there. <laughs> a live caterpillar or a dead butterfly. I mean, in this case, butterfly. <laughs> Which is the kid, right? Yeah, which is the kid. I mean, I don't want to die, though. I want to be a live butterfly. <laughs> you want to be, you want to metamorphosize. Yeah. Which is like a really nice parable for life. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of this book? We chatted about it a bit. I this enjoyed it. dark, dark comic book. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. Like, I think like Steve Gerber has been the precursor to all the postmodern you know or advanced comic writers but he wrote these in the 70s right like precursor to Alan Moore precursor to even Grant Morrison's you know postmodern you know fourth wall you know or a lot of referencing to like comics actually like the mm -hmm. so what I really enjoyed about this story was you know, Gerber's illusion to violence in comics and how like, you know, people fight, some people even may die, but then they end up coming back, especially as a scene right now, you know, like people die and then they come back. Um, I guess, I, you know, I'm not a big comics historian, but I'm just trying to think this was how many years after Gwen Stacy's death where like, um, I was as Gwen Stacy was that early seventies. Yeah, this is seventy six, and Gwen Stacy was killed in seventy two. Okay, so four years. Yeah, and even that death was a vehicle, and I think it's oftentimes it's referred to as the girlfriend in the refrigerator thing. But even the Gwen Stacy death was a vehicle to like empower the hero. Like, oh yeah it's because of her that I'm like, you know, doing this and like, you know, that kind of thing. Or it's like a, it was a plot point to like move the story and like always allude to her. And like, even her death is like, after a while, if you didn't read, you know, if you're not a big Spider-Man fan or like came to it late, you don't even re refer to her anymore. Now he's got a new sexy girlfriend that used to be a friend and like took Gwen Stacy's position and like death and stuff. Whereas in this comic, somebody dies and it sucks. And you you see it from the beginning to end. And then even if the hero kind of, in a way, avenges the death, it still hurts, you know? It still hurts and shows that violence is awful. Yeah, it just feels so, like it's on a different planet in a way from the other Marvel comics you read. It just feels like the impact of violence is so much heavier here mm -hmm. and so much more impactful on people. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that it takes a duck, a 
creature that's literally at, from outside of our universe, or at least from outside the Marvel universe, to see things as they really are. Mm -hmm. It's as if we're so used to the crap that we deal with every day in our universe, or especially that they dealt with in 1976 in New York City, uh, you know, post Watergate, post Vietnam War. It takes someone like a duck to really see things as they really are. Did you read this issue when you were a kid or did you read it as an adult? No, I read every one of these Gerber comics when I was a kid. And did you enjoy this issue? I comic? remember being deeply kind of upset by it. Yeah, I can't. I, I have to be honest. I'm going to come off with Gerber. Gerber is amazing and I like him as an, as a, as an education and comics. And I enjoyed this issue because of all the subtext. But like, I've gone through some type of a mental metamorphosis where like I want simple, joyous things. Like I've been reading a lot of, you know, like Nancy comics or like comic you know, funny strips and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with Gerber, it's like having like a four course meal, like at like a five-star restaurant after I've had pizza or I want to have pizza. It's like, I'm already full with like this type of stuff and part of it is because i feel like people have copied and stolen from gerber's ideas into modern comic writing it's just it just it made me feel bad you know i don't want a comic to make me feel bad but i loved it and i you know it's kind of like seeing like an independent film right so you love it because of all the art but it kind of was like well if i'm a kid i don't want to feel like crap you know yeah yeah, well, and we just read Tintin and we just read Bark. So this might yeah. have been like the, it's kind of the, the dessert that's a little off, like the dessert that ends up being made with sour milk or something. Oh, no, you know what it is? No, here it is. It's that whole thing where your mom says like, you'll spoil, don't eat all the dessert before you have the meal first. You know, you, you had all the dessert, you got full on crappy, you're not crappy, that's not true. You got full on the sweet stuff and then, now it's like okay well this is amazing but it's like it makes it hurts my feelings i need to go back to reading some more of the fun stuff yeah yeah i mean it it's so painful and gerber writes in such a dense way or wrote in such a dense way especially at this point in his career where it just feels like every panel even is just so thick with resonances and uh, different ways of looking at the world uh -huh. and you know howard so early on in his time too in comics that like he's just displaying the depth of this character in, in interesting ways. And then Beverly, we immediately see that she's a three-dimensional type person, right? She's got a lot of complexity to her, even just in this short 17-page story. And yeah. it just feels like there's so much going on. It's like uh, like three or four episodes of one of the prestige dramas happening all at once or something. Yeah. And I think if you've read, uh, if you would have read um, the Kung Fu comic, you know, um, and then been around in the 70s to know that I know Kung Fu was really big in the 70s. I even kind of got a whiff of that when I was a kid where like, you know, um, with, uh, you know, Bruce Lee and, those, you know, his movies were like really popular in the 70s. And then. But, you know, in those movies, too, you didn't see blood. You didn't really see violence, uh, consequences. I mean, maybe you did. I don't remember. I mean, I never, you know. But it's just kind of, it's funny, like, how it was hot back then. And then you realize, wow, this is like people killing each other. Like, that's not so good. 
Yeah, it's not satirical. It's just taking it at the actual level it's at. Gerber's not exaggerating here. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is that I think, and I haven't read any Howard the Duck with Gene Colan. I suspect, and here's another, oh my God, controversial thing. People are going to hate me. I hope you don't hate me, Jason. <laughs> I think John Buscema is an amazing artist, but I've just seen him so many times everywhere. I don't feel like he really stands out. He's amazing. He's like, talent-wise, he's above and beyond in terms of like figure and drawing. He could do anything. He's drawn Fantastic Four, this issue. He's known for other things. Or Conan, or Conan, not Conan. Um, but I feel like it would have been good had I seen it maybe with Colin or somebody who's like, can maybe make distinctive characters. Like the bad guy in this one is just like, a, I don't know, maybe the bad guy didn't stand out. He, he looked like Conan. So I would actually make, I think you're really right on. I think Gene Colin would have given it a completely different feel. But I was actually thinking as I was reading this, how good Colin, Co, excuse me, how good Buscema is for this comic. Mm. And the reason I say that is because in a comic that's so completely devoted to parodying, not parodying, but uh, kind of taking the air out of violence. Mm. And Buscema's comics, especially Conan, are so embedded in violence, right? Violence is just a normal part of his life, right? Mm. Like he's always fighting, he's always killing, and it's just normal, it's like every day, right? It's like, um, you getting on a zoom call or something and yeah. having colon or having Busema draw a story that's so uh anti-violent is kind of more shocking in a way mm. uh, like the way he draws count mark or count macho or whatever he calls himself mm-hmm. as this kind of big burly man mountain sort of guy you can imagine him as being some crypt keeper in Conan comics or something and because of that like the complexity of his character is able to be brought out in a different way hmm. in this comic do you mean the the person that teaches uh Howard how to fight or the evil guy no the macho dude the macho dude he looked like Conan to me yeah Conan <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Yeah. We can call it Conan. Or he looks like a hero, except he's like a bad guy. Well, maybe that's what they meant to do. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Busema got the assignment just because they wanted to have a, you know, a top artist on this early issue or whatever. Mm-hmm. But to me, like, he makes it more frightening, everything that happens, because it becomes more satirical versus the other Marvel comics that he's drawn. What do you, um, you know, with, from your experience, what do you think Steve Leola adds to this? I think he softens up the lines mm-hmm. and he kind of gives it a little fuzzier element to it. Like, I think he's more responsible for the way Howard's drawn here. Oh, uh, okay. I was wondering about that because I thought that the drawing was pretty good with Howard. Like, I was, I was surprised that, I mean, again, I was kind of surprised that the same uh, druid like you know the the you know, curviness of it don't you think howard looks amazing in this book he looks good yeah and i actually one thing about leola he actually lives in the bay area i've seen him a few times just walking around this in san francisco oh is that right yeah i think i met him once or twice when WonderCon was still in san fran mm-hmm. 
Well, living in, you live in Seattle and then other, our friends live in Portland. You run into artists all the time, but not here. And plane flights and all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Liloha is especially good at drawing the duck. And also, I think you see a lot of his faces on Beverly. Mm, okay. Beverly has kind of a softer face than Buscema usually draws. Mm-hmm. But like you definitely see him in Count Macho and in the violence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but what I, I mean, obviously this is a great comic and it's, you know, it is not lampooning, but basically bringing to light the violence in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that it, it actually holds up. It wasn't racist. I didn't think, you know, when, you know, it, some of these things may not stand the test of time or uh, like, for example, when um, Howard goes into the uh, secrets of Kung Fu class or he learns it in a few minutes. And that was that was actually kind of funny where like, you know, that's that's how comics work too. Like, you know, the origins are like you, you hear, you see the the hero learn how to do Kung Fu within like four, four pages or something right. or even less in a page. And here he learns it like three and a half hours. Yeah. Like three hours and it. 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. By the way, we never see him in that suit again or anything. I also felt like the, I couldn't tell the difference between the, you know, Count Macho or the bad guy and his henchmen. They all look alike. Do you think that's on purpose or is that limits of Pusema's? Oh, that's a good question. What do you think? I think it's a limit. <laughs> Sorry. I think he just didn't have the time to draw different faces yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, know, I, you, yeah. I see that. What were we going to say? I, I don't know. I don't want to lambast John Buscema because he's one of the greats of all time. And, uh, and I'm somebody who doesn't know how to draw <laughs> anatomy. But like, uh, but I think it's interesting when you compare him to some of the greats or some of its contemporaries, I, I tend to favor those, even if they weren't as well known or, I mean, yeah. You think it feels a little generic to you in a way? It's like the classic Marvel Comics look? Well, I think it's a lot of the ideas that, I mean, some of it could be because he was in a way generic. He did so many different mm-hmm. kinds of, it, he was the first guy to come. Like He did, um, I mean, what I know him from is, you know, Silver Surfer. Like that's, that's his famous thing, right? That he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, it's not his own creation. And over time, that that whole run is not regarded as a great run, right? Yeah, it, it's kind of, it kind of ha- skirts around the potential it had, but so then like, ends up delivering what, against the potential. Just speaking about him as an artist, like what is he known for? For like, uh, like what's the run? Like Fantastic Four. It's Conan, right? Conan, you're right. That's he right. He drew Conan for like, 20 years um, yeah I even when you think of Conan I, I think of Barry Windsor Smith first but I know it's but yeah he put some drew it so long that yeah that's right yeah um Hulk maybe yeah 
Yeah, he did yeah. a few issues of Hulk. No, but I like this issue. Um, I like the, I think all the points that you made. I think it's, uh, I, I love the fact that it does. I mean, I never thought that this type of writing happened in the 70s. So, you know, it's great to have my eyes open to Gerber and to realize that like this type of writing in mainstream comics did exist. It's kind of a precursor for Alan Moore or people like yeah. that, right? Because yeah. he's writing in such a kind of rich kind of novelistic way. Mm-hmm. You really see so much of Gerber's intelligence come through, but also his kind of confusion or his uh, he's, him trying to figure out how to make sense of New York in the 70s, mm-hmm. which, you know, was like pretty hellish, right? Like, yeah. honestly, like the scenes that start this issue, the first three or four pages, you know, kids go to a Kung Fu movie and then they go to a local cafe and then ends up being a stabbing. Like you can literally imagine that happening yeah Yeah. and so it feels very much kind of of the streets i guess this wasn't new york this was cleveland of course that's what i was gonna ask i wonder why it was in cleveland it was part of the joke of the story so you know the famous story about how the cuyahoga river caught on fire in cleveland in the 70s no did you know this so there was an industrial waste plant on the that was dropping waste into the Cuyahoga River, which goes through Cleveland, I guess. In fact, it a- empties out into the Erie, uh, into Lake Erie, if I remember. And that someone who's listening, who knows the area better, can correct me. And the industrial chemicals spontaneously caught on fire one day, oh, wow. and that could burn for some time. So the idea of sending Howard in Cleveland was like it's the lowest place you can go oh okay it's like you know kind of hellish i thought it was because cleveland has a great history in comics oh it could be so you know in retrospect yeah like siegel and schuster and then the history in comics and all that i could totally see that totally see that that's a great point but no i mean you could kind of can't really tell the difference between cleveland and new york except for the comment howard makes about how he can't tell the difference between anything in Cleveland. They all look the same. Mm, that's funny, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, we need to figure out a lighter story to read for next time. No, no, I like this. I just, I'm just trying to be honest on, like, the, the mood that I was in. I, well, I can relate to that mood for sure. Yeah. yeah. It was, but it's good. It's a good writer. Yeah, maybe we could have done Howard, the Howard for President issues. No, no, I mean, are we recording stuff? <laughs> this is, this is, I <laughs> yeah. wanted to do it. Like, that's, I'm glad we did it. And I think it's like, I just, you know, like, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading it. Cool. I think variety is good. Well, why don't we just stop there? Okay, cool. <laughs> Oh, thank you.